For the most part, we are all pretty good at being decisive and taking risk and taking action because the military has bred this. There's a very common theme throughout the military that no, that any decision is better than no decision at all. Hey guys, if you're like me, you've always had a desire to do more. And deep inside, you've known there's a way and a possibility for you to achieve your dreams, the lifestyle, and achieve the freedom you've always wanted. Because we have what it takes to get things done and learn from others and get the mindset to achieve the dreams we've always wanted. Welcome to SB Warriors. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm here with David Paré, the Military Millionaire Podcast. He's here to throw it down and give some insights on how to become a, mil a millionaire using real estate. David, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, brother. So like you said, been in the Marine Corps now for 11 years. And in 2015, I kind of had an epiphany. Someone handed me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, wow, I've been doing money very bad, uh, buying Harleys and cars and tattoos and guns and all the typical military stuff. And, uh, you know, after at that point, I had been in for seven years and had very little to show for it in any kind of savings or finance or whatever. And uh, so I bought a duplex. I did the house hack, lived in one side and rented the other. And then uh, I just kind of been building a real estate investing portfolio since then. I have 13 units right now and I'm flipping a house as well and uh, negotiating a 12 unit and a single family house uh, right now. So trying to trying to build that portfolio out to where when I get out of the military, I don't have to continue working. So your mission, because you're kind of a coach, you do the podcast, you have YouTube channel, you have all these things going on and you're full time a dad uh, and you work full time. So I don't know how you do this all. Uh, what is your main mission to help other people? Yeah, so outside of my normal Marine Corps job and all of those hours, my main personal mission is through the website that I have from Military to Millionaire is to help service members and veterans learn how to build wealth through real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance. So just try to help people avoid all the mistakes that I made in my early ages in the military. So what do you think the, because there's different levels of education when it comes to real estate. Um, and when you're dealing with people in the military or say law enforcement, what do you think is the biggest problem that those people tend to have? There's a couple. Uh, one, one being that we're just bad with finances. We, we, it's like we have this, it's our first time having a big paycheck. We're young when we get it. And I think there's kind of this mentality of like, well, you know, I might go to combat and die. So I might as well have some fun while I'm here. And, uh, we will go and buy really fast cars that we don't need. If you drive onto a military base, it's funny because it's like, all of a sudden there's sports cars everywhere and jeep wranglers everywhere and you're like doesn't it guys don't these guys get paid less than people out in town uh <laughs> it's just kind of a mentality thing so there's there's that the bad financial decisions but then there's also the there's some just archaic advice like buy a house at every duty station well you know that's great if you bought a house at every duty station starting in 2009 or 2010 but if you listen to that in 2005 you know and you buy a house and then it goes and gets cut in value so i would say you know hey instead of just buying a house at every duty station buy an investment property where it makes sense so if it doesn't like for i did not buy right now in san diego because well for one i didn't want to deal with california tenancy laws and i wasn't going to be here that long uh, so i'm just going to continue to buy back in missouri where it's very landlord friendly and the numbers make sense and I rented out here. So. Are you exclusively going in Missouri or because I know you're from Hawaii, California, two of the most expensive states. And I'm like, how's he doing this? 
So I recruited in Missouri for three years and that's where I got started in real estate. So I have a good team there and I'll probably go back there actually long-term. I don't know. It's, it's so affordable to live and it's peaceful. I am currently, I'm exclusive in Missouri because I, I did do, I partnered with some stuff in Hawaii, but I, none of it was long-term hold. And it just, I haven't found the right partner or the right deal for other states and the Missouri market makes sense for me. So it's a, just, a, it's not a big appreciation play. It's a constant cash flow play. So it's long-term uh, just rental income. So is your, do you have a philosophy of premise do you work behind on the cash flow system? Is it just rich dad, poor dad, like you're going to get multi-units or is it live in one first, do your first one, then build, gradually build your way up? Mm. There's a lot of ways to start. I would say that the house hack idea where you buy a duplex, a triplex or a fourplex and live in one of the units and rent the others out is probably the most powerful place to start for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, it's much less scary, right? Buying an investment property when you don't really know what you're doing is a scary thing for a lot of people. But if you justify it by saying, well, I'm just buying a house and these guys are going to help me pay my mortgage, like that's a lot easier to get past that hurdle. Two, you get to learn how to manage a property while you live there. So if stuff goes wrong, it's not going to be under the radar. You're going to know that it's happening. So that kind of gets rid of a lot of those fears. And then really the other benefit is just that you go from paying, let's see, with my duplex. So I was paying $550 a month to live in a little two bedroom, one bath apartment. Yeah, Missouri's cheap. So yeah, it's crazy, so crazy cheap. Because I'm paying three thousand right now for you know only like a little bit more house. So five fifty a month to live in this apartment, and then I buy this duplex, and my mortgage was six fifty or six fifty one. So I was paying an extra hundred dollars to own two two bed one bath units and a storage shed and land, and I was like, man, I can't lose. Like even if the other tenant doesn't pay. I'm out, what, a hundred bucks a month to own the place and I'm building equity. So I might as well go for it. And so for that reason, I think the house act is just a great way to start. After that, man, there's so many strategies in real estate and they all have pros and cons. I like the five to 25 unit range, small apartments for a couple of reasons. One, there's not as much competition as the big dogs, right? You're not dealing with syndicators. And two, it's still scalable over one or two units. And then really the other benefit is a lot of those, because they're not dealt with by syndicators, a lot of them are mom and pop owners. So like the guy I'm negotiating with right now is in his seventies. He's just kind of done with the place and it's got a lot of, it needs some work and it needs, you know, the rents are super under market. I mean, like three, four, five, six hundred $600 under market, depending on. So there's a lot of room to improve that. So I can get it for much less than I would have to pay if it was already running fully operational. So if somebody who's in the military is listening to this and they're like, Hey, I want to do this, but like, you have to have some sort of capital. Are you trying to get owner financing? Uh, you know, like what kind of things are you kind of giving advice to your, your, your people to help them understand how to do this? Well, luckily for service members, we have the wonderful benefit of the VA loan. So if you are going to live in the house, which is another reason the house tech is so powerful. If you find a place in Missouri that makes sense and it's going to cash flow, you can buy it and move in for zero down which the, the VA loan is phenomenal. So you get 100% financing with great terms, great rates, and the government backs uh, you know, 25% of the what would have been your down payment. So you can't really complain okay. about that. Uh, and they actually have a renovation variant as well. So you could buy a live-in flip type property where you have to fix it up and it would still be zero down as long as the numbers work. Now, you're a little over leveraged, but if it's cash flowing, you know, or you're still out of pocket less than a mortgage would have been or than rent would have been, 
absolutely okay. say go for it. But if you're buying a property and you're not going to live in it as a primary residence, so you can't use the VA loan. I like seller financing if you can negotiate terms. So this 12 unit I'm talking to right now, that's what we're working out right now. We've kind of agreed on purchase price and we're trying to figure out, okay, well, do you want zero down X percent interest? Do you want this much, you know, 20,000 down and no interest, but thousand dollars a month plus a balloon at two years? Like we're trying to structure it to where he's happy, I'm happy, and there's no bank involved. It's just straight seller finance. And so how, how hard is it to actually find those type of deals? I don't think it's that hard. I It is surprising to me. Maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe it's just a very lucky thing. But the 10 unit, I said, hey, would you guys be willing to sell or finance 10%? So I only come out of pocket 5%. They said, sure. My, uh, I bought some farmland and the entire down payment, it was only five acres. It wasn't that expensive, but still the down payment was paid seller financing. So I didn't pay anything down on that. Uh, the, the only property I've ever paid more than 6% down on was the house I'm flipping right now, but that was a $12,000 purchase cash. So, uh, you know, it was, such a, yeah, 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 yeah. The house, the house is like falling off the hinges. And I was like, man, you know what? For 12 grand, I can't go wrong. Uh, I put a lot of money into flipping it, but I, that, that one, I wasn't worth trying to finance. So, uh, but yeah, so the seller financing, I mean, I've had a lot of luck. What I think what it is, is when I email, so like say I'm on Craigslist, and I see like 20 houses that I'm like, ooh, those are all somewhat close. My blanket email will just say something like, hey, I saw your house on Craigslist. I'm somewhat inter- or I'm, I'm interested. Would you entertain seller financing? And then I just delete any response that says no. And I'm like, boop, 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 boop. Hey, there's three that are interested. All right, cool, let's stop. Um, if I'm looking for that, I mean, I'm totally open to normal financing, but if I'm looking at, you know, if, when I can send 40 emails in a week and get one or two people who are interested to talk about seller financing, then I would much rather do that than deal with a bank most of the time because you can get better terms. So you've been doing this for how long? 2015. So uh, almost four years now. That Okay. So you sound four years, you've done a lot. So that's hats off to you. Um, and I can imagine that's not easy. It's easier when you're in town. So your team is out of town. You, is it, you mean team, your team of like rebuilding and getting the stuff ready to rent and stuff like that? I've spent less. So I moved out of Missouri in May of 2016. Since then, I've bought three or four properties in Missouri and I've spent less than two months in Missouri. So I've been, uh, yeah, it's all been, I mean, there was at one point I was uh, on the hook for a 40 unit property and we ended up closing, but that's the one I told you about where some stuff kind of went south in the lease option and we're trying to dispute it in court right now to figure out really just how I get my down payment back. Um, but it was a 40 unit building and I saw it once before closing and most of the negotiations and stuff were done with me, not even on the island I was stationed on, on a different island where I only had cell phone access like a half hour a day. And I had to like walk out onto a mountain to try to talk to this guy. So it was, uh, it's not always been easy, but it's doable if you, you know, the old rich dad, poor dad mindset, right? Not, oh, I can't do that, but how can I do that? It's always, there's always a way. So if you've only been doing this four years, this this couldn't just come out of nowhere because from what I've seen for most people, this has been years of maybe seed planting ideas and other things. Like, did you start off with real estate? Actually, yeah. I, uh, I So the, the the duplex was kind of a lucky draw, right? Because I, I only, I used an FHA loan. It was like $3,000 out of pocket. And it, it allowed me to just basically, I went from paying a rent to paying or getting paid to own the place. And then when I moved out to Hawaii, uh, I had a little bit of cash flow from that. And I just, my wife got a job and we basically took her entire paycheck 
and stuffed it into the business account and just lived on mine. And so that was another forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Now, granted, we definitely blew some of it, but we were probably saving twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars a year, and that enabled us to turn around and spend down payment on the farmland and then the down payment. But but the other thing and the only other reason I've been able to kind of scale quicker is because I've been able to do seller financing. So I bought a 10 unit property and it only cost me like 10,900 to close. So that was my down payment, you know, and that's repeat that so again. 10 unit property and it cost 10,900 out of pocket for me to close. That was my down payment between 85% bank financing, like 10 and some change seller financing. Uh, I came to the closing tables like, Thanks. Like, here's a car payment, and I'll take that property. And then it's cash flowed around, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred a month. It's not the biggest return ever, but it's basically returned a hundred percent cash on cash since I bought it. And, and this is where things just get fun, right? I uh, I'm refinancing right now just because I wanted to get rid of my seller financing and and move my balloon payment out. So I put 10,900 down on it and 18 months later, it's worth 62,000 more and I'm pulling 15,000 out of it and my payment's dropping $200 a month. So, you know, it's it's been fun. So are you doing seller financially initially and then go to more conventional or afterwards after refinance? Yeah, in a perfect world, right? You do seller finance. I mean, there's, I say in a perfect world, you get someone to agree to letting you pay zero interest, just a thousand dollars or whatever amount a month for 20 years. And you just pay it off with no interest ever over time. That's like the ideal seller financing. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to swindle right now is like, how do I convince this guy? Hey, I'll give you 20,000 and I'll give you a thousand dollars a month for 16 years. And it comes out to zero interest and 5,000 more than you asked. Like that, that is the perfect scenario in my opinion. But what I've been doing is, so this was a $10,000 or $20,000, whatever it was, seller financing at 4% interest over 10 years. And what I did is I you know, made the payment for the last 18 months, 19 months, and then when we refinance, I'll take that check, pay the rest of the seller financing off, and I'll just be done. So I you know, took out this loan from a guy for 20,000 or whatever it was, and I only paid the interest on like a tiny, tiny piece of it, but I was able to use the equity I was building to pay him out. So it's just kind of, whatever works. Do you think you're like an anomaly or where you are just following the system and anyone can plug into that system? I don't want to say I'm an anomaly because there's def definitely nothing special about me other than that I am not risk averse and I take action. So I'm okay with, I, I understand the fact that things aren't always going to go okay. I mean, take this massive lawsuit I'm in right now. But at the end of the day, I've learned more through that process than I would have learned by not doing it. So I'm okay with the fact that I might lose some money in the long run because I got a huge lesson out of it. And realistically, for the last year now, that money's been out of my bank account and I've still bought, uh, really only done the one flip and you know, there've been two purchases since then. So I still, I mean, even without that money, I've been able to continue pushing forward. So it's just a matter of knowing, okay, well, how can I figure this stuff out? Whether that's creative financing or whatever, saving your money, and then just, continually taking action and you'll learn from it. So I noticed your wife uh, works with you and was that hard sell to get her on board? I'll tell you that I'm, she's going to kill me if I say this out loud, but I'm going to say it out loud. So you see behind me, if you're looking at this, there's the book, rich dad, poor dad is up on the bookshelf back there. And uh, it's up there. And I, every time she comes to my office, I give her a hard time because I gave that to her three years ago and she has not finished the damn thing yet. So it's uh Sometimes it's easier said than done, right? Like I can't get her. She she won't do the audio books with me. She won't listen to podcasts with me. She won't read books with me, but, she, but she'll sit and watch YouTube videos on stuff and she'll 
when the kids are, when we're able to take the kids or the kids have a babysitter, she'll go to networking stuff with me and she'll let me bring people over for dinner to do that side of things. Uh, her biggest help is probably the fact that she will let me work at crazy hours of the morning or the evening on stuff. And the fact that she's very frugal. So she, I'm, I'm the, she's the thrifty one. I'm the like, Ooh, let me see if I can justify that in my business expenses so that I can justify buying a nicer camera or a nicer whatever. And, uh, so I, I, she lets me, she balances me out on that. Nice. Nice. And what are you shooting with right now? Oh, oh, oh my, uh, just a Canon T5i. I'm why, well, I was going to upgrade to the EOS R or a, uh, 5d Mark IV, but Okay. I, uh, I heard a, a, a birdie that says Canon's got something pretty nice coming out in the next year. So I'm going to wait and I'm going to let my channel monetize a little bit more. And I'm going to try to see w when we're done recording, I'll, I'll tell you what I heard. Cause I don't know if it's supposed to be discussed, but. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, I'm sorry. We're geeking out. Getting yeah, all yeah. Ready. Uh, so I also saw that you were recommending cause a lot of military people will go get deployed and you're basically saying like, Hey, a significant other go back to mom and you can do what were you suggesting so this is a an idea that a buddy of mine came up with while we were on the podcast well he didn't come up with it but i'd never heard he coined the phrase deployment hack which i hadn't heard before but it's brilliant and essentially what it is is yeah if i'm gonna go so if i am stationed in hawaii <clears throat> and i rent a place right and i am going to be deployed for a year somewhere or, or whatever. I'm getting a housing allowance and a cost of living allowance and everything for Hawaii. Well, if my family moves in with a friend or in with family or, or whatever, and we aren't paying that rent or that mortgage check in Hawaii, you get to keep the difference. So if you were to, you know, if you were to be getting $3,000 a month for a place in Hawaii, but you weren't living in a place in Hawaii, or you were living with a friend for 500 bucks a month or whatever, like you're getting to pocket the difference. So what my buddy Joe did, he was stationed somewhere, had a house that he lived in. He got deployed. He rented the house that he lived in out to someone. So they were covering his mortgage. And then he just pocketed his housing allowance the entire time he was deployed. And then he comes back and he's wow. like, I have 12 months of rent that I was getting paid and not using. And someone else was paying my mortgage. I'm going to take this and buy another property. So your, your principles of what you're doing, it can work for military, but it can also work for the average individual. Yeah. I, well, you know, I've always joked, if you can invest while you're in the military with, with the time constraints and being across the nation, you can probably find the exact same ways to invest when not in the military. You're going to have a little bit more time. You might be more local. Uh, you, you might get paid more. I don't know. There's some pretty solid benefits in the military. So those of us who are in more expensive states, um, East, West Coast, uh, do you recommend staying in our states and just finding more, a uh, little bit more challenge areas? Or would you say, go find a state that's more friendly to, uh, you know, renting and stuff like that? that? I mean, there's a lot of variables there. So if you were to tell me that you lived in the Bay Area in California, I would say, nope, invest elsewhere. Not because the price is so crazy, although it is. I mean, the, that's the most expensive county in the U.S. But because not only is it that crazy, but the tenant laws and the rent control laws are just going to not help any landlord out at all. It's a nightmare. But if you were in a place like, uh, what's a good one? Um, I don't know. We'll say Seattle two years ago, right? Or three years ago. Like Seattle's a expensive market, but it was a market that it's still growing very quickly. So, you know, okay, well, there's still going to be some appreciation here. You know, I think I can jump in on it. It really just depends. So you can house hack anywhere and totally eradicate your mortgage if you do it right. I have a friend in Denver who owns uh, like three, almost $400,000 homes. 
and he house hacked all of them. They all pay for themselves. They've all cash flow now. And he has, he gets paid to live in the house he's in now, has not paid a mortgage basically ever on any of those houses. They're all paid by his tenants. And he's got, you know, 1.1, $1 $1.2 million worth of real estate in Denver, which is not a really affordable market. It's not outrageous, but it's, it's not super affordable. So it's doable. I, I like looking at the, the more affordable areas, but that's just cause I like playing the like, Oh, that's an easy purchase. Yeah. Okay. We'll buy that. It'll cash flow. It's not going to appreciate too much, but. How do you house hack a single family residence? You have to, it has to be multi-unit or more, mm, right? No, you totally, it, it well, it, it's gonna, that's going to depend on if you're a single guy or, or what your living standards are. So this guy's nuts. Uh, in fact, Oh, I don't want to give away too much of the story, but uh, I interviewed him. I, I interviewed him last night. So he's wrote, he wrote a book for Bigger Pockets on house hacking. So it comes out next week, and it's awesome. You should definitely check it out. But this guy literally put up a uh, like cardboard barrier in his living room at one point and rented every room out in his house individually to roommates and was getting paid to live in his living room for a few months. And then he, you know, he moved into another property and he he bought a, like one up, one down. So like rented out the bottom unit right at the top unit but he does he does roommates so he'll rent he's single so he'll rent out two or three of the rooms in the house to people and then that will pay for his mortgage well wow. not not traditional kind of what you see in the more colleges where it's very expensive yeah. uh so yeah i don't know if i could do that it's yeah it's definitely a comfort thing uh, but i'll tell you, you know uh, the place i'm renting right now i airbnb uh downstairs is a bedroom bathroom and i'm airbnb it out and it's covering all my utilities and a couple hundred bucks off my mortgage so it it's not always as convenient as living alone, you know, and wandering around in your underwear all day, but it is profitable. I make, you know, I'll probably, if I, if I can get the whole place rented out for a month, it'll probably be 1500 bucks off my living expenses. So, you know, that's actually, you think about it, that's a lot of money and that can make a difference to a lot well, of people. Well, it's more than that if you think about it, because not only is it $1,500 that you're getting paid, but it's $1,500 you're not having to put into your rent. So like, yeah, you're only saving 1500 bucks, but that's, literally like 1500 more than you're having to do whatever and right now i'm renting but if i was if i owned the place that's 1500 dollars more than i'm putting in my pocket but it's also more money than equity going into the property or whatever like there's some there's some cool returns there when you figure out like yeah that's a, i mean that's you're right that's i mean that's a quite a bit of money on this because i'm like kind of talk to you about some coaching stuff so if have you ever had that seed of doubt of like I don't know who I'm renting to and I don't want some ax murder in my house. Like, how did you get through that? Like, I'm just going to go just right, give if it I a lean shot. into my mic. Can you still hear me? So <laughs> yes. that my person in the house doesn't hear me right now. I have a 38 under my pillow. So um, <laughs> I also locked the door and I'm not the like least intimidating person in the world. So I think I can hold my own. Uh, that's hilarious it does meet california laws though so it's not the i left all my non-california legal the fun guns are all in missouri but <laughs> so you're in your house so you're you should be yeah. all right <laughs> yeah you think that's, yeah we'll we'll, we'll we discuss that on yeah, camera. Yeah. so what made you go you know what i learned all this stuff i'm doing it making all this stuff happen that, you know, I need to start teaching this. Did you see there was a need in the marketplace or were you just trying to help out some buddies? I realized there's a lot more military real estate investors than I thought. And really what it originally started as was I was just trying to figure out, like I was trying to learn how to write and I was thinking about writing a book, but it wasn't a real estate book at all. It was a, uh, basically like a, I had a journal and a mission log for my deployment and I was going to like put them together and try to make it into a book. It wasn't going to be not a seal, so it wasn't gonna be anything super exciting, but it was gonna be like, hey, this is what everyday life was like during this, you know, somewhat large 
stretch of Afghanistan, like somewhat big battle, but as a normal dude, right? And it, it's, I, I don't know, I was gonna ride it just for fun. I may still ride it at some point, but I realized no one's gonna listen to me. No one knows who I am. So I'm gonna just start a blog. And about a week or two into that, I had a, a friend of mine, Brandon over at the house, we were having dinner and he was like, dude, why don't, why don't you start like, if you're going to blog anyway, like, why don't you just chronicle your journey in real estate investing? Like, I'm sure other military guys will get something out of that. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I started just writing about like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm learning about. And then that very quickly became people asking questions and I would answer questions. And then my Instagram started to grow very quickly. And then people were like, you should do a podcast. And then it just, it's just kind of transpired to where it's like, oh, now I'm going to intentionally start to build a community where I can try to help as many people as possible. Because there's a lot of people out there doing the same things yeah. yeah i think a lot of people need help and excuse me like there's an educational aspect that you don't get in the traditional education space on how to leverage your money how to do what you're doing and i think it's great that you're doing it and so you're working probably getting about four hours of sleep a night yeah, yeah. I, i'd like to lie to myself and say it's six on average but it, like this week it's been three and a half or four every night yeah um i can relate so with that being said what and do all this what is your motivating factor so my plan is to get out of the military in two years and go in the reserve so that i can control my time i can i made the mistake of 20 taking 26 days of leave on my way to this new duty station and i spent 26 days on the farm just hanging out with my family riding around in the john deere tractor with my father-in-law doing whatever and i was like i don't want to go back like this is the best thing ever i can do whatever i want i can hang out with whoever i want i can if I want to just jump on a four wheeler with my kid and go ride around in the field chasing cows, I can go ride around the field chasing cows. And I just kind of clicked that like, this is, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to, to dictate what my schedule looks like. And as much as I love the military, that's not how it works. And I could gut out another nine years of active duty and get a pension, or I could jump into the reserves and, you know, I'll get a pension when I'm 60, but at least it's something. So my, my five-year plan or whatever my, my goal at this point is, to just be able to replace my income enough to live that comfortable life. And I would like to long-term, I uh, want to start like a military investor conference uh, type of ordeal and try to do like an event and uh, really just just try to help service members realize how to, and, and veterans and, and really anyone, but that's my niche, uh, just understand how to help themselves out financially. So I think that, man, to go into the dark side of this subject, the whole 22 a day movement, right? Like the veteran suicide issue that's all over the media. I think that is directly yeah. correlated to going from having a huge sense of purpose in what you do in the military to going, well, what now? I have no purpose. Like now what I'm a college kid or now what I'm, a, you know, like you go from this huge yeah. sense of purpose to, I don't know, a Walmart reader, right? Um, and, and that's a legit story. I knew a guy who was a Sergeant Major in the Marine Corps, retired 20, 30 years, whatever, super successful. Couldn't find a job, decides to be a Walmart greeter. And like six months later, he, he's, you know, he's not around anymore because he, and that's the only thing I can think of. So trying to help people understand how to build a purpose for themselves and build a, build a life for themselves after the military is really the big picture. That's awesome. That's awesome. And do you uh, reach out directly to people on the military base or are you just kind of just producing your content, YouTube and podcasts and hope that those people are interested would kind of recommend? Yeah, I can't, I can't do any, uh, like I can't mention it when I'm in a military capacity. I can't be walking around saying like, Hey, here's my business card and uniform. And I can't do uh, like financial seminars on, on base because I'm a financial specialist for the Marine Corps and I can't like mix the two. So I am able to talk about it, but I can't, 
like advertise it or or do speaking about it or whatever I'm based. So it's mostly right now it's mostly the growing the influence through the podcast, the YouTube channel and all that, which is actually I mean it's still going quite effectively. It's very strange now because I'll be walking around base places and like I'll be in uniform and people who either, you know, way below me in rank or way above me in rank. I've had some pretty up there guys who shouldn't even like you, it wouldn't be normal for us to have a conversation at all at work. Like walk up and be like, "Oh, you're the military millionaire." And I'm like, yeah like and people just look at me like dude what's up i'm like oh yeah i didn't tell you i do all this other stuff on the side so it's been an interesting uh transition nice nice i like it I like it so if people want to dive in and start real estate investing uh what are the two things you would say to them and how can oh, they get can I say three learn can network three. and take action so spend your time reading and listening to podcasts and just absorbing as much information as you can and then get around people who have done what you want to do and network with them don't don't walk around just saying oh, i want a mentor but like just hang out with them and try to find a way to bring value to their life even if that's like you working for free i did that in hawaii on a flip and it got me close to someone who i really respected and we still talk so whatever you can do to bring value to them and then finally just take action because all of the knowledge in the world does nothing if you don't actually go out and do it and you're going to learn I don't know. I'll say 80% of what you know is going to be done, like learned by doing it. You're just so much better learning that way than reading books. That first deal has got to be super scary. It's got to be like you're jumping off this cliff. Yeah. Right? And you know, that's one of the things that military guys as real estate investors have an advantage in because we are all, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but for the most part, we are all pretty good at being decisive and taking risk and taking action because the military has bred this there's a very common theme throughout the military that no that any decision is better than no decision at all and i think that mentality makes it very easy to kind of like talk yourself out of that fear is just being like well you know all these other schmucks did it why can't i <laughs> that's awesome and who do you who's your uh, favorite uh, podcaster or person you listen oh, to most or read? I, I you know i do I, I i have to plug bigger pockets they're just they've got such a huge reach for real estate and there are some other really phenomenal podcasts out there, but theirs has just got so much variety. I mean, they've got over 300, I mean, they're at like 380 episodes or something like that right now. So there's, there's just a ton of value, no matter what level you are as an investor. And as far as books, I mean, I got a whole list. I, I like, so if you're a service member, I would say the four hour work week is the book you need to read because yeah. the military yeah. mentality is I'm going to spend a ton of time to save money because we, have time with service members and we don't have money but the mentality you need to learn to be successful outside of the military is the exact opposite it's how do i spend a little bit of money to get all that time back and that's i think that book is huge i, I like it can i ask you one question so um real estate you all know everyone knows grant cardone is like this big guy flying around Ooh, you know i saw you mm. in 10x um, this is what baffles me he says don't <laughs> buy so if you're a real estate investor how do you not buy yeah, I, I'm all for renting in some markets. And so I, I'm on the, I'm in like the perfect middle of the fence, right? I think that sometimes it makes perfect sense to rent a house. Right now, I knew that buying in Oceanside and only gonna be living here for 18 months and I didn't wanna own a place here. So I continue to buy in Missouri. But I think there's also times, like as soon as I go back to Missouri, I'm gonna live in a duplex or a triplex or something. I'm gonna be owning a piece of real estate again where it makes sense and it cash flows. I think it really just depends. Like I wouldn't advocate for anyone starting out in real estate to buy in San Francisco right now. There's just so much right. loss if that market goes down and not a whole lot higher it can go, I don't think. But I wouldn't 
advocate for someone renting in a market where you could buy a house for like fifty thousand dollars and what's the worst thing that could ever happen to you you lose a like it's not going to go down much more so it just i think it just depends on what i always tell people is not to get wrapped around whether you should buy or whether you should rent but how which which opportunity will be the best investment long term are you able to save the most money are you able to like and long-term buying is generally the better decision provided you're not coming out of pocket for expenses that's where people get screwed they'll buy a place because it's a nice place rather than because it's an investment and they will when they go to move out of it they realize they can't float the mortgage because it's not cash flowing like i had a buddy in hawaii and i'm not going to name his name but you know, we were trying to decide how to sell his place and he realized he was 20 he was going to need to come up with twenty thousand dollars to close because he was out of after realtor commissions it hadn't appreciated that much his deck equity wasn't that much he was going to need to bring twenty thousand to the table to close he's going to be eight out eight hundred dollars a month if he rented it eight hundred dollars a month on his mortgage was going to be what he had to fork up not with any maintenance expenses and i remember like breaking it all down for him and at the end he's like so how did i win by owning this home. And I was like, you didn't, you did not win at all. This was not, you know, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you, but this is not the place you should have bought. And so I think that's the, the long term is figuring out what's the exit strategy and how's it going to work for you. So do you go over it? Cause I'm sure everybody listening to this is going to be like, okay, well, how do I know if this house I'm looking at doing the thing is going to make the numbers right? Do you go over that with some of your uh, information on your website or your- uh, Absolutely. And, and really the easy way to do it is just to see what it's going to rent for. And then, I mean, if, if what it's going to rent for isn't even close to your mortgage, then you, you can write it off right away. But you can, there's a lot of really simple math that can be done on that. Uh, the quickest way to rule it out is the 1% rule, which isn't always 100% accurate. But if you, if you can't rent it for 1% of what you're buying it for, then it's probably not going to make you any money. So if you buy a $700,000 house and you can't rent it for $7,000 a month, then so that was kind of this scenario. It was like a $705,000 house or 680 something, you know, like a, a typical Hawaii expensive home. And the mortgage was like $4,200 and he was only able to rent it for like three and some change. Like nobody's going to pay more than $4,000 a month to live in a typical home in Hawaii, but they cost almost $800,000. You just can't even come close to winning on that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're going to be soon launching a course to help uh, people do exactly yeah, what you're so doing. I, also, well, I am lost. I'm launching a mastermind group next Saturday for military guys, but I'm launching a online course. So I, I did, like we talked about before we recorded, I did some one-on-one -on -one coaching calls. They were awesome. I don't have that much time active duty to dedicate an hour a week for, you know, four or five people. Like it just was not feasible for me to keep that up yet. So I turned it, the information I was giving into a online course, which is designed to get you from I want to invest in real estate. What next to I now own my first property and how do I improve the operations on it? And then, you know, from there, I'll probably do some add on follow on courses for scaling. But the goal is just to get you through that first property because that's the most important, not always the best, but yeah. the most important. And that should be launching. Oh, and I'm going to have to get held to this, but I would like to say that that'll launch December yeah. 1st. I'm, I'm most of the way through December. recording. I think December 1st is probably going to be my We'll, we'll go with that as a target date. So I'm most of the way through recording. I need to go back in and uh, you know do my text overlays on everything. And then I need to get my funnel set up and I'll be ready to rock and roll. I'll talk to you online because I think you can get out there faster now. All right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm doing, I'm recording every week. I've got uh, like four videos a week that I'm putting out for it. And then I'm going back in through all the editing and everything else. So on top of all the other content I'm producing, that's about as much as I can bite off. But at that rate, it's only a few more weeks of recording and then it'll be, yeah, I don't know. 
I'll give you an idea. We can still talk about that. So plug your, you want people to go to get, so you have a free lead magnet or something? To oh yeah. If you go download. to from military to millionaire.com, that's like the homepage, the first bullet right there. I've got a free ebook on all the things I should have done in my first four years to get things right with building wealth in my 401k. Nice. I'll put the links in below. Uh, David, thanks for joining us. Awesome to have you. Stay tuned. I want to talk to you off, off the, off the uh, video. Hey, and SB Warriors listening, this is David coaching people how to do real estate for military and law enforcement professionals, but it applies to everybody. So go check out his blog, his website, and his YouTube channel if you're into video. Oh. Boom. Thanks, guys. Hey, SB Warriors. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to get more information how you can grow your business with a $100 advertising credit, just go to the homepage, SB Warriors, and check out the $100 ad credit. And you can get started to advertise your business and literally see thousands of people. And if you like today's show, we ask that you leave feedback on iTunes with a nice review and simply tell us what you think and share it with others. Keep pushing, SB Warriors, and thanks again, and see you next time. Hey, SB Warriors, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you like more help to grow your business, you're going to want to participate in the 21-Day Business Challenge, where we're going to show you how to use video advertising to grow your business in your area for your niche and help you get more customers and outreach than television. This is an amazing opportunity. We're going to do it in 21 days, and we'll take you through a complete process that will absolutely blow your mind. Also, if you like today's show, we ask that you leave feedback review on iTunes so we can help grow the show to other business owners just like you. And if you're looking to get more tips and tricks and insights, feel free to join our Facebook group where we share information about how to grow your business in today's internet marketing world and help you gain more customers with insights from other business owners just like you. Thanks again, SB Warriors, and keep pushing.